This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm Danielle Henderson. Hey, I'm Millie DeSherico. And this is I Saw What You Did. Hi, it's a podcast you're listening to. It is about <laughs> films and movies and pictures. <laughs> How are you this week? What do you what's on your mind? Um, I am fine. Uh, I uh, am currently in my bunker. Uh, with some family, as we've talked about before. Um, yeah, I mean, really kind of nothing to report other than just hanging out with a bunch of little kids. And um, I kind of am now obsessed with this video game that I've been playing with my nephew, which I know has been around. It's very popular. It's called Minecraft. Well, how old is your nephew? One is about to be three. One's about to be six. So I guess maybe three and six. Um so this is the six-year-old is playing Minecraft. Yeah, the six-year-old's playing Minecraft. And like, I gotta be honest, I'm not a gamer. I haven't played video games since I was probably like 12 years old. And my nephew, who is um, he's very obsessed with with devices for better or for worse. I mean, he's very smart. And I think all kids are probably obsessed with devices at this point. How could you not be? And right. I keep telling myself, like, oh, well, I was like born the internet only existed for like half of my life so but he uh he's basically like wants to play it all the time and i was kind of getting into it simply because it's like more of like a building game so i turned off all of the fighting like there's like it's a basically like a a game where you like drop into a world and it's you kind of have to like build a house and you know fight zombies but then you have like you know it's kind of medieval it's kind of like some potions kind of stuff and like you can make it more like six-year-old friendly like if you don't want them to know about zombies right now you can be like let's take those out right because there's like a survival mode which is like you have to kill you know creatures but then you also have to kill animals for food oh uh, lord and for wool and stuff like that so now that i'm looking at the world around us this might not be the worst game (laughs) <laughs> like, let's teach these kids some skills of survival that could be practical in their real lives. Oh, for sure. I'm being very like people for the ethical treatment of animals about it. I'm like, I don't want you killing any sheep for anything. You're not going to kill, uh, you know, a pig because you want to eat a pork chop or whatever. I'm like right now. I just am <laughs> feeling like don't don't kill anything. So I turned yeah, off all well. of that. I turned off all like we're playing in creative mode, which is basically like you have endless resources. You never die. Uh You can fly. You don't have to kill anything. And it's just sort of like you just build beach houses all day, which is what we do. So so this is the Republican version of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's basically like a choose your own adventure. You're basically like, what if I lived in a world where everything was chill and 
I went out to the water and built these like really ostentatious beach houses all day yeah. with like fire pits. And my nephew is six and he doesn't know anything about interior decorating right now. But he's getting there. Like, he's like, ooh, I like this terracotta brick. And, uh, you know, we should be using this, br- you know, this type of rug for the indoor space. I'm like, hmm. This is excellent. This I'm is like, right this up is your alley. Right up my alley. <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, oh, this is great. So it's super fun. And now I'm like totally obsessed. I've moved into watching youtube people play the game which is like a weird thing i never thought i would get into um which is also a thing yeah so there's also the game where the the floss stance came from or is that another game i don't know actually i don't know if it's that like you've not seen anyone do the floss in this game no i probably would have yeah i'm Um, fully making it up then (laughs) (laughs) well no no there's other there's other versions of this thing too that i don't like there's another game that's sort of like this game but it's different and then there's like Fortnite, which is like a whole other thing i think that's the one i'm thinking of Fortnite. Fortnite, i've been told is too violent for him so we're not playing that Um, i love this idea of you guys just building beach houses and kind of like you know looking at couches decorating it's so sweet yeah it's it's so fun and like i said it's like we're just sort of like experimenting with like building things and i'm like cool maybe he can you know curtail this into like an architecture career and i won't feel as bad spending this much time playing a fucking video game with him but or maybe uh, he'll just grow up and have a fucking impeccable taste and you'll be like you're welcome (laughs) listen i love a guy that has impeccable taste as we know and so i'm just hoping that he yeah i hope that something positive comes out of this although he is he i think at a certain point has figured out that there's no uh there's no villains to fight like he's like hey how come there's no zombies and no creepers or no uh endermen and i'm like yeah about that so uh (laughs) you're like look at the world around you we don't need this right now (laughs) we don't need to (laughs) can we just put up more flowers (laughs) like can we just work on our master bathroom in the the third beach house i don't want you to fight uh, you know whatever it is completely but i play he, a um a game on my phone called design home Ooh, and it's very similar have you have you played it no oh it's sarah our friend sarah is the one who's who's also playing it you would love this game and you're gonna lose all of your money on it i'm gonna download I'm gonna it right now it. <laughs> it's called design home and it's basically a game that's like you get points based on the type of decorations you put in a room and they use like real furniture and real places so you can kind of it's kind of brilliant marketing because you're like oh i can see what this looks like in a game and then if i want it I might go get this lamp. Ooh. It's really wild. It's wild. I'm sorry in advance for bankrupting you, but you're going to love it. Uh, yeah, I have nothing but time to think about decoration. So I'm exactly. excited by this. I haven't, like, I need a new game. I feel like Minecraft, like, we're, there's so much to explore, but I'm also like, all right, what's the next thing, man? I need the nude. It's the new shit. home. It's yeah. design home. Well, what's That's going great. on with you? What's up with you? I'm um, just thinking about death. Oh. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like to really get into <laughs> this complete 180 that we're now taking. Um we're going to have we'll take a tiny trip through my brain, right? Just a little trip through my brain. Let's go. So, I'm ready. This all happened. This all started for me when and this is not like a morbid 
thing and I'm not thinking about my own death or nobody around me is dying, thankfully. Um, but I was thinking about how how cavalier everyone is right now about posting things from the inside of their house. And like you can see everyone's everything like nobody is locking it down. If yeah. they're, they're showing you their living room and the front door and the lock and like they're posting selfies with like fucking tax forms behind them <laughs> like people are just <laughs> way too cavalier <laughs> right now completely and it just really makes me um nervous because i'm very vigilant about that kind of thing like you might see two parts of my house ever on yeah. public social media like you might see my kitchen and which has a background. sun is it, there's a sun flare behind you so you can't even really see your kitchen exactly <laughs> <laughs> You can see the oven mitt hanging on the door. Yeah. Um, and then I usually, if I do, if I make a video on purpose, I'll sit on the floor in front of my couch and like there's a little corner of my living room that I'm comfortable showing you. The yeah. rest, absolutely not. You don't need to see what the inside of my house looks like. You don't ever need to see what my bedroom looks like. I'm just not cool with it personally, which is weird having been online for so long. But I think that's the reason why I'm not cool with it because I've been in line for so long. Um, yeah. So I was just thinking about like everyone is so cavalier about what they're showing in their homes. And then my criminal mind kicked in, which I huh. do have, but I'm way too lazy to use, thankfully. Oh, yeah. And yeah. my criminal mind kicks in and is like, you could rob half the people you know. Like they post <laughs> their schedule. They, they're posting links to where they are at the moment. You could <laughs> rob half the people you follow if you wanted to. And then that made me think about how I went to um, I took myself to Paris for my 40th birthday mm -hmm. and I was walking down. Uh, the Champs-Elysees near the Arc de Triomphe. And I saw this group of American tourists just counting money out on the street. Like they were kind of like trading. It might, it might have been a family or something, but they were like kind of counting money and trading it. And mm -hmm. I just walked up to them and I, in my cheeriest voice, and I said, hi, I could totally rob you right now. <laughs> and they looked at me and I was like, you might want to count that money somewhere more private. <laughs> But then that it hit is, me that like yeah. that has to be a terrible thing for so, like that was an awful thing that I did to walk up and be like I could rob you. Let me tell you, I can guarantee you with like I can guarantee you with probably like one thousand percent certainty that they still talk about that shit to this. Day. <laughs> like those it those American people, like remember when that woman came up to us and said she could just rob us? Isn't that crazy? France was crazy. France was wild. And then that, that got me thinking. I, and honestly, if it, if it did, I hope that it changed their behavior. And that every time yeah. they went on a vacation as a family, they stopped pulling out wads of cash in public. Because that just kicks something over in my brain where I'm like, get it. Get that money, girl. Take it. And then yeah. I have to like talk myself into like, no, that's not what normal people do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then that got me thinking about all the moments of my life where I have put myself in abject danger. So this kind of trail of thought has been like, all right, there's yeah. been a lot of times in your life mm -hmm. where you could have died. Yes. And especially as a child of the 80s, where parents, helicopter parents were born of 80s kids because nobody was watching anything that we were doing. Oh my God. I and know. If we were, if we went missing, they didn't come looking for us. They were like, Oh, it's so sad. We used to have three kids and now we have two. Um, they didn't yeah. come looking for us. They didn't care. And, the, and, but then also as a teenager, like there, my, my quest for freedom as a teenager was so intense that I just put myself in some objectly horrible situations. Yeah. Like I would just hop on the bus and be walking around New York City by myself when I was 13. Yeah. That's a, that to me is a, 
I, something that's really fascinating about kids that grew up in New York where they're like, oh, yeah, I just like took the subway when I was like seven years old and went to the museum or like went to school. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's wild. Yeah. And thankfully, nothing happened. But yeah. just thinking about all these things, like there was one point where my friend Liz and I, uh, we had one Burger King in our town, one fast food restaurant. It was a Burger King. Mm-hmm. And my friend Liz and I in high school went to Burger King after school and we saw this like cute guy there. And um, he's like, we want to go riding around. And we were like, yeah, we're together. It's fine. And we just got into the car of this stranger and like <laughs> rolled around town. <laughs> Listen, we were we were free as hell back then. I have a friend that said my friend Holly, who always used to say uh, she's a little older than me, but she was saying that like kids were basically second class citizens until like yesterday. Like exactly for the most part, like when we were growing up. We were completely unsupervised. We had no constant feed of like danger that was showing up on a handheld device every second. So mm-hmm. there was kind of this like weird disconnect between like what you were doing and then the, you know, the fear of the thing. Right. So, right. yeah, you were running around like a maniac running into cars with strange people. And yeah. Yeah. And it was a kind of freedom that let, like let us test our boundaries in a good way, but also was yeah. highly dangerous in a terrible way. <laughs> so I've just been thinking about all this shit. And the, the kicker, the cult, this culminates with um, I did not date in high school at all. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't do it. Nobody yeah. wanted me and I didn't want them. And the beautiful part of that is that now when I go home to visit my grandma and I run into people that I knew in high school, I have not seen anyone's dick. We can just have a nice conversation <laughs> about coffee or whatever they're doing for work. And I'm like, I don't have to think about what your dick looks like. It's great. Great. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, so I didn't date. But then when I was after the summer I graduated high school, I just turned 18. And my friend Tim and I were at the, the Taco Bell near the mall. Mm-hmm. And this is... I mean, fast food joints, just it's, stay away. Not only will the food kill you, but you're 99% more likely to meet a serial killer there. Oh, yeah. I worked in several of them in my life, yeah. and they're not they're not the move ever. And you've killed five people that we I have. <laughs> this, this podcast is actually a prison release program, so that's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Taco Bell parking lot. We're inside the Taco Bell. I'm getting like a chicken Mexi Mel or whatever. Yeah. And this guy behind us starts chatting us up. And Tim's not interested. And so I'm just talking to this guy and he's kind of tall and kind of cute. And I was like, oh, like, very cute. And um, we went out to the parking lot. And as we're getting into our cars, he's like, well, maybe I can get your number. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) This never (laughs) happened. Let's try this before I go out into the world. Big duh. Yeah. So I gave him my number and long story short, he did call. We did set ourselves up to go out on a date. Um, he lived over the border in New Jersey. I grew up like right on the border of Jersey. Um, and we went for the for the 4th of July. I drove to his house in Jersey and then we drove into the city together to go um, to his friend's house for like a 4th of July thing and like watch yeah. fireworks and whatever. I'm 18. He's 32. Wow. So let it be known first and foremost that if an older man 
ladies is trying to date you and you're like a teenager, it's not because you're cool. It's because he's a fucking creep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, he's not 22, which is kind of like, OK, there you would have maybe been in high school together at the same point. Right. The guy is 32. Right. Like genuinely almost half my age. Yikes. Yikes. Or double my age, I should say. Genuinely yeah, yeah, double yeah. My age. So we walk into this party and all his friends are like, why did you bring a fucking child to this party? <laughs> yeah. Like, and deservedly so. Yeah. And it was fine. It was fine. We went to the party, left, got in my car, came home. His name was so distinctive that as I'm thinking about death and all the dangerous situations I put myself in, like I went to the city with this man I barely knew and like... You know, whatever. He could have brought me to like a sex den. I don't know. Sex <laughs> like, den. <laughs> he could have brought me to the limelight and I OD'd on coke. I don't know. And so I'm thinking about this and his name was very distinctive. So I looked him up for the first time. And the first thing that pops up and the next consecutive things that pop up are all the news reports about the homicide he committed. Oh. <gasps> Like and when in his past or like before he showed up or like how what after it was, this is after me. Oh my god. About eight years after we met and we never talked again. But yeah, he is he was in jail for committing a homicide and he was in jail for about ten years and he murdered his business partner. <gasps> Wait, what are you telling me right now? I'll tell you the full story. <laughs> Also, it was in Florida. I'll tell you the full story. <laughs> Murdering <laughs> business partners, huh? Huh. Now yeah, I'll put a pin in that. But yeah, so that got me thinking about like, I, I, there are several points where I could have died. And I just, I don't feel great about that when I look back at my life. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like adventurous. It makes me feel insanely stupid. Listen, you cannot blame yourself about this because I'm sure if you went and Googled like, Everyone you used to know from a certain period of time, they were they have all been in jail, like right. whether or not it was a homicide or like a petty crime or bare minimum. It's like they're writing fake checks like most people <laughs> I know have have at least like, you know, stolen some checks or, uh, you know, a prescription pad or some shit. Right. right? So, I mean, homicide is a lot. It's a lot to take. In. It's, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot and it's weird because I'm like, did I get a vibe from him yeah. or was it like, <laughs> I don't I know, but like, like we didn't talk again. Maybe it was because I was 18, <laughs> but <laughs> it, that just was the capper on my, my thoughts of death and uh, the perilous situations that we, we tend to put ourselves in. See, this is why I'm glad I'm not young anymore. You know, so I careless. Know all, of, all of my advice for, for kids and teens right now is just don't, don't single word. Oh, oh what's that? Don't. No, none of that. Wait it out. Give yourself about 20 years. Things will be so different. But let your prefrontal cortex develop a little bit. (laughs) Like give it a year or two and then go for it. Get that Uh, brain right. Yeah. (laughs) But that does kind of bring us into, well, not really. This is a bad segue. But the first movie kind of of gets us there. We love a bad segue here at I Saw What You Did. Yeah. It's it's a bad segue, um, <laughs> but it makes me think about our theme today, at least the first movie in our theme, because our, our theme today is great 70s apartments. And the first movie we're going to be discussing is Clute, which is a super suspenseful 
thriller about a woman in danger and her job possibly puts her in danger. Her lifestyle possibly puts her in danger. So there you go. I saved the segue. Well, (laughs) do you want to talk a little bit about why 70s apartments? I mean, I for me, I feel like this theme is is we love an aesthetic, as we've talked about in the in yeah. the beginning of this episode. So the thing about a 70s apartment to me is that it just feels like for some reason it feel there's some kind of element of danger, which also ties to the beginning of this podcast, which is like the 70s seem like a very s- sad, scary brown and orange time where like decor wise it was kind of like it was real muted tones it felt like i mean some you had maybe like a purple there once in a while and like a yellow and a and a white but it wasn't like there was something going on and there was always like half dead house plants in like every place you saw in the 70s it was like very like you know, there's a lot of like fabrics, like t- like crochet and macrame and like rattan and wicker and all these like very like dense materials. Look, uh, you weren't in a 70s apartment, truly, if you did not have the big fork, the big wooden fork and spoon on the wall or the yes. giant rattan shaped <laughs> spade shaped fan. Yes. A papazon chair, something. Papazon. <laughs> like you had to have some some real light wood in your life. Yeah. Giant stereo or a hi-fi. Maybe they called it a hi-fi back then. And mm-hmm. I mean, when we were thinking about this, we honestly like had several different films that we were gonna pick from. Uh we definitely love the apartment from Death Wish with the with the wallpaper. <laughs> uh we talked that about that. That was very good. Yeah, yeah. So close. That was so close. So close. And, um, you know, personally for me, I love, um, Lily Tomlin's apartment in the late show, like that, where she like sells pot and she's got a lot of like, you know, plants all over the place. And like, that's the one with Art Carney, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good movie. So we had a lot, a lot of trouble paring it down, but I think, you know, I think we did a good job. I gotta say, I'm patting ourselves on the back. Yeah. Yeah, we did the the best we can, and the movie that I chose for Great 70s Apartments is Clute. Reed Daniels? One man is missing, two girls lie dead, and somebody is on the other end of the phone. So Clute was a film from 1971, directed by Alan J. Pacula, written by Andy Lewis and Dave Lewis. Um, and this is a movie where Jane, Jane Fonda won her first Oscar for this movie. And the, a brief synopsis is that it's basically uh, a kind of family man in Pennsylvania disappears. And that kicks off this connection to um, a sex worker in New York City, played by Jane Fonda. Her name is Brie Daniels in the movie. And um, one of his friends, who also just happens to be a detective, Donald Sutherland, uh, plays John Clute, who goes to look for him. So they, they're brought together by circumstance. He could have been one of her Johns. They're not sure what the connection is, etc. So it's kind of a suspense thriller. Um, but part of the reason that <laughs> there are many reasons that I wanted to to talk about this as a great 70s apartment. But the primary reason is that it felt like it the messiness of the apartment mirrored the messiness of her life oh my god exactly we rarely see that anymore 
And yeah. this is kind of one of the last one of the last decades where I think um, it was kind of that holdover from the 60s where it was OK to not have your shit together. Yeah. And it was before the 80s. It came in with all the you know capitalist bullshit. And I just felt like when you look. So when you look around her apartment and again, this is a small, small apartment. I, I think it would technically be an SRO, like a single resident occupancy in New mm-hmm. York. Uh, so you're looking at like a big room. <laughs> that has a bed on one side and what passes for a dining room on the other and then a little bathroom and a tiny tiny kitchen but these little touches all over the place right so it's like you get to see everything in miniature her kind of cast iron bed that's so childlike yeah but she's like a she's a sex worker and that's kind of interesting and then the bed has these like um kind of like like homemade quilts on them yeah, and it's really back to a different it, time. Yeah, and it's really like close to her kitchen. It's like, you know, in yeah. those when you live in like, you know, an efficiency or when you live in like a studio when you have to like creatively put a bed like right in front of your kitchen. It felt, you know, it was I won't say I think it's cozy to a certain degree for her right. especially. Um but it is a little like, you know, there's a lot going on in that apartment. Yeah. There's a lot going on in such a small space and it's got yeah. it's got a fireplace, which eventually in the movie they do a few shots where I'm like, are they in a different place? Like this is so spacious. And no, they're just shooting it from a different corner. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And then <laughs> it has like again, true 70s style, so many overhead lights, so many swinging uh-huh. bald bulbs, which when I see that <laughs> now in catalogs, I'm like, can we all stop trying to pretend to be as poor as possible? Can we get rid of the bare like <laughs> cave dweller minor bulbs in our homes <laughs> we don't need to do this we can have lampshades people yeah it's allowed well i'm um, okay let me have a i have a question for you real quick so like yeah i've never lived in new york city and you have what do you think she paid for that apartment back in the day yeah on her own i would guess she paid like 120 to 200 dollars a month because mm. it seemed like the apartment was in harlem just yeah. kind of based on the like she went she goes to uh there's one point where she's getting on the subway and she goes up an escalator mm-hmm. and that's at 125th street on the the park side oh okay um, yeah so i kind of recognize some some parts of it because i used to live in harlem oh wow uh, and then her apartment itself is actually over a funeral home and i'm pretty sure it's the funeral home that was right down the street from where i lived oh that's funny like the name the name has changed but the yeah. structures were all the same yeah so yeah i would say like back in the day like 200 maybe 250 yeah, um, because she seemed to be, she seemed to be totally comfortable with getting like fifty dollars per trick or fifty dollars right. per job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that would sustain her. And she she talks about this life where she used to live on um, Park Avenue, mm-hmm. and so I feel like, and when she was in it full time, she was able to live on Park Avenue, and yeah. that could have been like your thousand dollar a month apartment. Yeah. But she's doing it part time and still getting by. While yeah. she's trying to be a model and actress, um, so yeah, probably like two hundred. Interesting. I'm al- I'm always curious about that, especially it, in it, New York. I always want to know how much it costs. <laughs> complete, and it's always going to be something truly heartbreaking because, like, yeah. that apartment now, when I lived there, would be like three thousand dollars a month. Yeah, exactly. And nothing has changed. Not a single feature yeah. has changed. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, these are the original swinging light bulbs from Clute. So. <laughs> four thousand dollars please and it's a historical monument so oh yeah 
we get around it that way. Don't yeah, you yeah. feel great living in history? No, I don't. I don't want to live in history <laughs> bad enough to have the same refrigerator from 1971 in my life. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. But it's such a it's a great apartment, and she like you know just just the, the it's the really it's really for me like the small moment so she definitely has the half dead plant on the windowsill yeah she definitely has a rotary phone that she can stretch across the floor and put on the on the floor next to the bed yeah um i love that i just i love the vanity table with that huge round mirror that just oh, felt yeah. so glamorous and like it might have been one of the only holdovers from her full-time life as a sex worker yeah and then just like this real 70s fringe over the bed. Like yeah. she was trying to make herself like a canopy bed, which again is kind of little girlish, but yeah, it just really added to who she was and just like a mess of clothes and hats and boas and things yeah. all over the place. It well, yeah, like a really interesting thing. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny because I read somewhere that, um, that apartment, the actual interior of the apartment was built on soundstage by the director, Alan J. Pecula, and he, essentially let her like Jane Fonda wanted to live in that apartment. She wanted to live in there and he actually installed a toilet, a working toilet in there. So she actually slept in the fake apartment while she was filming the movie. I guess she just really she just slept at like sunset studios, just like slept on the set. Yeah. And I guess, um, and also, you know, I think that she kind of like had a lot of say in decorating it too. Like, uh, she suggested like that JFK charcoal drawing on the wall and, you know, whatever all these yeah. other touches. Cause, you know, she was kind of, she's probably like, you know, close to the age of the actual Brie and maybe knew a thing or two about like how to do, how to, uh, set up the decor in a uh, call girl apartment. So she was like, you know what? I know exactly what to put here. Let's bring in she these blankets. Was on it. Also, I love yeah. how how far we've come in the world of diva moves with actresses. Where like her yeah. diva move was, I want a working toilet so I can live in this <laughs> mouse infested set. And now it's like my trailer needs to be solid gold, and you need to buy me a house in Florence, and then yeah. I'll do your movie. <laughs> can you film me laying in my bed? in my house in Florence because I don't want to come to set ever. <laughs> Do I have to move at all for this role? And yeah. James Bond is like, you know what? I just want to take a shit in peace. How about you just <laughs> let me take a dump in this beautiful apartment that I helped you decorate? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I want to ask you a little bit more about the because <clears throat> cut that, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you obviously mentioned like right off the bat that you feel like her her interiors uh in her apartment are kind of like um mirroring the kind of inner turmoil she feels and like i think what makes clute such a you know great movie that we all remember still to this day is that i think this was one of the first times where you know they they portrayed a prostitute as having like some depth and maybe some thoughts about her life and being kind of unsure if she was interested, like having that moment where she's like, well, I like it. That it gives me power, even though I'm sort of like over it too. And like, that's wrestling with me and, you know, she's in therapy and we get to see her therapy. And so, yeah, yeah I think you're totally right about that. Like that apartment is probably like the place where she feels the most comfortable but it also is kind of a reflection of how she feels about what she does for a living and just sort of the, you yeah. know, the situation she gets herself into, you know? It was a powerful movie at the time 
based on what I've read about it for that exact reason. And because, you know, Jane Fonda ad-libbed so much of the movie. So she was kind of personally in her own sexual power in this moment. Yeah. And she ad-libbed like everything that she was talking about with the therapist. Um, And she just, you know, the actors kind of personally added a lot to this, but there wasn't an air of sadness to her at all. It was very much listening to her talk about being in control through her work and the work she was doing and wanted to do and the difference between the power she had as an actress versus the power she had as a sex worker. Yeah. Um, And how she saw that she equated the two. She's like, well, it is acting. You know, I'm doing my best acting when I'm doing my job. Um, And that was really interesting to me because I thought that you, I can't think of an example of a movie before that from, at least from the American perspective, that was very much about being in control and power of your sexuality that, didn't have anything to do with men at its core, aside from them being participants in the act. And it was really, and her apartment is is just, again, like perfectly, to me, it perfectly encapsulates the space of someone who's trying to start over. So there aren't very many trappings of her former life. Like she didn't take her leather couch with her and she didn't, she just kind of cut and run. And I like that she's like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way. And I'm going to live in this apartment and I'm going to try to be an actress and a model. Right. And I'm not going to be doing the sex work full time. Like this yeah. is, she's kind of you're watching someone kind of change stream. Yeah. And I love that. I love that so much. And it's again, like it's messy. And it's like the other thing I love about this movie, though, and part of the reason I chose it is that you get to see so many great 70s apartments. Yeah. Well, she goes to that casting director's office and he has that lion table with the <laughs> incense burner next to it. I was like, yeah. tell me more about this. Yeah. Guy. Oh, God. Totally. Like this dude totally owns a Nehru jacket, has been to Asia once and thinks he's like a scholar. Oh, yeah. The way 100%. his attitude that was you're, you, you nailed it. He's that guy. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but then you get to go to Roy Scheider's place, like her former pimp. Yeah. And it's that like just standard issue 70s pimp palace. Yeah. When it comes to like, you know, the kind of starkness of it and the the colorful globes in one color or in yeah. one corner on like a piece of like a glitter pole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For yeah. no reason propping up a counter. Like you just get to see so many of these great spaces. Yeah. And it, really was a changing time for New York and it was a changing time for all these characters. And I just, I loved it. I thought it, it's really indicative to me um, that this is just such a great seventies movie and yeah. her, the outfits are also crucial. Like that whole high-waisted skirt, sweater, big necklace thing. That is, I could wear that for the rest of my life and be fine. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me, let me ask you another question. Um, I know it's so interesting to me that this movie is called, Clute, because Clute is the last name of the Donald Sutherland character, yeah. and he's kind. It's kind of more about her. Uh, well, it's not kind of more about her. It is about her. So it's kind of should just be called Bree, if if anything. Yeah. Daniels, but, <laughs> yeah, or Daniels. Why not Daniels? That's a good name for a movie. Yeah. Um. So the 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 John Clute character is interesting because that is what his role is. Is that he's kind of this. I don't know. He's this person that kind of comes into her life by necessity because he's investigating this case and he's kind of making her have to like have a reckoning with the type of work that she does. And because, you know, what the plain truth about it is that you have horrible, you know, men that commit 
horrible things to people that do sex work on occasion. And, you know, there's like drugs and, you know, violence and everything like that. And so she's kind of like kind of having to always face herself when he's around. And then he ends up having to move below her in that like shitty little apartment, which Mm -hmm. uh, that is. I, I never grew up in a place that had that like brownstone bottom apartment, although I have friends when I've visited them in New York that lived down there. But his was extra shitty because it was like you could tell it's like it's a cop's apartment. There's like a fan and like, you know, a jailhouse bed. And he's like, I just got my plans on the wall, my my murder boards on the wall. And I don't give a shit about anything else. And you're like, Completely. God, man, it you is know. stark. It is yeah. stark down there. And he's let's not forget, he would be on the same level as the funeral home stuff like all the sucking and yeah. blood and all that like he's on that's the level that he's living on <laughs> he's not living above that he's, he's in it with the bodies <laughs> oh my god so yeah he's so you know they're, they're never gonna upgrade that apartment they're like yeah, why oh would no. we like right next door you've got tube sucking blood and viscera out of actual bodies this right. is just how you live now yeah but you know and it's so you know they're, they they develop kind of a little a romance and that part for me, I think, is a little um, I don't really like it as much as the rest of the movie, although I do think Donald Sutherland is so cute in this movie and it was like and cute forever. I mean, he's still cute, you know, like that part where she's like, you got a good mouth or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have a real good mouth. Yeah. And they dated in real life. Yeah. While they were filming this movie. But oh it was God. apparently like a very non-exclusive open kind of thing. Uh, I kind of love that. <laughs> which which reminds yeah. me of like the current like, oh, you have an open relationship and then your girlfriend starts dating Brad Pitt. Like imagine <laughs> you're like, we have an open relationship. <laughs> like, She's oh, dating damn. Donald Sutherland. He's dating <laughs> Jane Fonda. What did I get myself into? Exactly. Well, yeah. And, and I get like the role that he serves, though, as being sort of this romantic possibility for her is obviously I get it. It, it makes sense plot wise in the film because it's an it's just kind of adding to um, her struggle with wanting to keep doing this line of work because she doesn't want to be vulnerable. End. Yeah, she right. she wants to fall in love, maybe, but she's very guarded. And he's kind of like saying, you don't need to be guarded. You feel safe with me. You know, I exactly am taking care of you. But, you know, there's this the scene. My favorite scene in the movie and it's like something that like gives me goosebumps every time I watch it is the scene where they're like buying fruit on the street. Yes. And you it's like, they're such good actors that like, you can tell that she is like trying to, to like make herself not like him. Like she's going like, here's this guy that like knows about fruit and I want (laughs) to date him so bad, but I have had, I can't fucking, you know, I got a lot of baggage and but he seems to like me despite this baggage. And I'm just and when she pulls like the back of his jacket, I just like, yeah, oh every God. goddamn time. I'm just like, oh, right. They like each other for real. For real. I but know also, it is. And it is like seeing that turmoil because he's he's got his own set of tur- turmoil as well. Like he's a yeah. small town cop who's like very rigid. Yeah. And so they're both breaking down their own boundaries. In, and that scene is kind of like, to me, what exemplifies that relationship. Yeah. They're like, we can be vulnerable with each other, but we're still kind of 
you know, kind of flipping our flippers about it and not really wanting yeah. to, to just calm down. Um, yeah. But I loved it. I love this movie. I think it's so fantastic. Uh, it's heavily influenced by the patriarchy, but you know, 1971, it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why maybe their relationship felt so strange at points. Cause I'm yeah. like, well, this isn't what a regular person would do, but a man yeah. probably thinks this is what. <laughs> well, and, yeah. I mean, there's obviously the whole savior, you know, narrative there, which I'm kind of like, uh, you know, obviously, I think we're more interested in hearing Brie as a woman and her experience. And I mean, I could watch her be in therapy all day long. I hate to say that it, could be but the I'm whole just like, movie. love it. But then, like, there is this open ended ending almost where, you know, you're kind of like, well, does it happen for them or not? And you don't really know. And I mean, I guess that's kind of the best we can do <laughs> with this, yeah. you know, but at the same time. You and know, that was freedom. And I yeah. love that. That was freedom back then because it was enough, I think, to kind of leave that question hanging of what happens to them. If she moves to Pennsylvania, what happens? If he ends up moving to the city with her, what happens? Like, it right. is such a great. It's an ending that is such a great beginning. Right. I mean, I had a point where I was like, man, you should not get rid of that apartment because you know what's going to happen. That The the rent is going to skyrocket and girl, you are on a gold mine. Do you have rent you control? You just wait 10 years and you are yep. rent controlled at 200. That happened to my, my great aunt. My yeah. great aunt lived in an apartment in Harlem since 19, it must have been 1940 something mm -hmm. because she used to babysit my grandmother there. And um, so it was my great, great aunt. And yeah, she had the apartment until she died when she was in her 90s and her rent was like $230. Jeez Louise. I yeah. mean, can you and imagine? And they kept it in the family as long as they could, like her, you know, her mm -hmm. grandchildren and like, you know, people kind of kind of kept it up because I'm at the point right now where I'm like, you have to buy me out of anywhere I live. Like I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to be a homeowner. Yeah. But if I'm renting a place in a city that is being gentrified or like things are, are changing, I will hold out. I'll be the little house and up. Like I will hold out for the payout. <laughs> you can build skyscrapers all around me, but keep that apartment, Daniels. Keep that apartment. Keep it. Also, the most seventies moment of this movie for me is that she was reading Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. Yeah, in bed. So good. Oh. Yeah, love. I love an astrology and a joint smoking session. A it's candle and a joint and astrology. And she was just like, this is my night. I'm singing hymns. She was having a fucking <laughs> night. <laughs> oh, man. I would love to go to her apartment sometime. No doubt. Well, we can reconstruct one for you and you can just shit in the, t in the toilet. <laughs> Whatever you want up there. Give me a working toilet. I'll be fine. Head to West Hollywood. We can make your dream come true right now. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As we come back from break, just want to mention that that we were talking and Millie mentioned that uh, she loves a laconic oaf like Donald Sutherland in this movie. And I feel like <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. <laughs> laconic oaf. I mean, I love a big, dumb, laconic oaf. I can't I can't lie. 
Um, so what, what are you cute. bringing to the table for great 70s apartments? So my selection for today is a movie. It's one of my favorites. So you'll have to forgive me. I love it. It also features an actress who is probably my favorite actress of all time. And so I have so much love for this movie and I'm, I'm so glad that it fits this theme. Um, in that movie is three women from 1977 directed by Robert Altman in a town at the edge of nowhere. I love irises. Millie Lamoureux. I love flowers. Had a dream. A candlelight. Until Pinky Rose arrived. It is Pinky, isn't it? And a different dream began. So, um, first of all, this movie was based on a dream that Robert Altman had, which already is kind of like, okay. Um, at that point, he had made like a lot of great movies and he had made MASH, he'd made Nashville. So he was kind of like one of those like carte blanche guys. So like the, you know, basically he comes and says, I want to make a movie about a dream that I have and I don't want to write a screenplay. I, can I just film it? And, you know, 20th Century Fox is like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, which is the level I aspire to as a screenwriter. Right? <laughs> like, I just have this idea. I am not going to tell you what it's about because it was based on a flight of fancy. <laughs> Let's do it. You're right. I just think that's incredible. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that like all the time. Um, he so basically he ended up writing like a treatment for it with another person, a, another writer. And, you know, but he his dream included the actual cast. So he he dreamed that Sissy Spacek and Shelley Duvall were in the movie. So it's it's interesting because on top of that, this movie was sort of influenced by this Igmar Bergman movie from the 60s. It's called Persona. Now, watch. I will assign it as extra credit, purely extra credit. But it's 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 basically like the grandmother of all like psychoanalysis films. And like, it's a lot. It's heavy text. So that's why it's extra credit. Um, but I'll tell you, like right off the bat, the tone of this movie is something that I'm obsessed with, which is this, it's just got this like hazy, ethereal, kind of like spooky quality. Mm -hmm. And it takes place in the desert, in the California desert, which is perfect. It's like a perfect vibe, perfect landscape for the vibe. And honestly, like there's a lot of movies. I, I mean, I just love... I love nothing more than like an ambient soaked like 1970s movie that's like in a really sparse location, like, you know, like a picnic at Hanging Rock or like Days of Heaven or something like that. And I mean, honestly, it right off the bat, it's like if I see like a swirly 70s font mixed with like a psychotic flute, I'm like, <laughs> I'm in. So the beginning of this movie is already like it's a wrap. Um, and it feels as dreamy as it was you know it yeah. feels like a dream throughout yeah. which is interesting and i'd never seen this movie before so oh good good interesting my, my first my first introduction which i think most of us in our generation can say that our, our first introduction to robert altman was popeye yes and Big we weren't one. paying attention to directors back then but it yeah. was the weirdest movie i'd ever seen and i loved it so yeah i'm not it, great on altman but i i have seen a few yeah, I I mean, I think my first was shortcuts. I mean, I came to him late in the game because yeah. I, you know, 
at that time, I think that came out when I was in high school. But yeah, yeah. then I watched Popeye probably. And then then you just kind of go back and do and do it all. I mean, yeah, I'd seen like the player and shortcuts and yeah, Popeye and like maybe a couple other. But I haven't seen this one. Just to give a little bit of a synopsis. So this movie is essentially about a young woman named Pinky Rose, who's played by Sissy Spacek. And she basically starts a job at like this rehab center uh, for elderly people that's like in the desert somewhere in California, which I think is like desert hot springs, like Palm Springs. But it's basically like, you know, old people in old people bathing suits, like soaking in a mineral bath for 10 minutes and then they get out and sit in a chair. Um, it sounds amazing. I'd love to go to that. Um, I would move as, there tomorrow. <laughs> I know. I was like, I don't need to wait until I'm old. I can do it now. Um, so basically, it's like her first day. And, you know, she gets shown the ropes by uh, one of the other women who are working there. And it's Shelley Duvall's character. Uh, her character is named Millie Lamoureux, which I love a movie, Millie. I'm not going to lie. In films, I figured out that like the name Millie is is usually reserved for like three types of characters. So it's either like an uptight older woman a annoying little sister or a dog so <laughs> anytime you see a millie character in a film that it's one of those three things um Amazing. so anyway pinky rose is almost like immediately obsessed with millie and she's like following her around she she just kind of is fascinated by her look and her vibe and everything and the thing about Pinky is that it's unclear kind of how old she is, right? Mm -hmm. So at times you're going, is she like 12 years old? Because she's a spaz and she kind of dresses like in these little girl dresses and, you know, she just kind of looks like a 12 year old girl. But then you're like, at some point, a couple minutes later, you realize, oh, she's like living in a hotel by herself. So maybe she's a grown up. I can't figure this out. But also, did they just let children live in hotels back that's then right. by themselves? Because that's also a possibility. <laughs> like, I know. I was like, is she the kid from Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore who just like is on his own all the time, like in a hotel? Who knows? Um, they're like, oh, you're a toddler, <laughs> but you have the money? Come on in. <laughs> now, Millie, and, and I'm not just saying this because she has my name, but I'm just saying she is probably the most interesting character in film history completely she's so insane and textured and i just can't wait to talk about her because okay so if pinky is like this immature kind of like uncouth little girl type millie is like this opposite type of woman and i think that's why pinky is obsessed with her if you think about her like this she's basically like the woman who is clipping the article in cosmo about like how to satisfy your man and like putting it on a refrigerator being like these are tips that i need mm -hmm. um she's like totally obsessed with homemaking and you know cooking and uh, is always sort of perfectly dressed like she's constantly like brushing her hair to make sure there's like nothing out of place and like and the other thing is that she's just like as she's developing a friendship with pinky she's just constantly reminding pinky of how to do things and how to act and she's like right. easily embarrassed by her and she's just kind of like Ugh, let me teach you how to be a woman type of thing and she um, also like never stops talking okay which is fascinating to me because in a landscape where you rarely hear women's voices yes she is a motor like she does not okay. stop talking she talks constantly to 
anyone and about anything. And or no one. Like, or no one. She's she's walking behind <laughs> people talking and they are literally having another conversation. Right. And it's funny because it's clear that everyone has had it because every person blows her off. <laughs> everyone blows her off. Like her neighbors hate her fucking guts. Like they are like they're feigning illnesses to like get out of talking to her like they're like muttering shit about her under the breath. They're like, get away from me. Like they have had it. <laughs> it's incredible. That scene where she comes down in her like bathrobe yeah. to sit by the pool. Cause all of her neighbors are out there. They're all her age. are all having a good time. And they're like, Oh God, here comes this bitch. And she's just kind of saunters down. It's like, would anybody like to get in the pool? And they're like, we don't even want to say hello to you. What do no. you think? We hope you fucking die, basically. <laughs> it's so wild. So, okay. So eventually Pinky and Millie become roommates. And that's why we're going to move into this insane apartment now. This is now, a great 70s apartment. Yeah. She, so her apartment building, which we just kind of spoke about, is kind of this like perfect California style, like two stories. There's a pool in the courtyard and it's called like the fucking purple sage apartments or something. It's like real desert dusty right and um and and when the the scene when she first takes pinky to the apartment that she will now be living in you're like holy fucking shit right because it's this like blown out all white and yellow 70s monstrosity there's like it's completely spotless and it's all white and yellow like white rattan white wicker yellow curtains yellow ashtrays like it is like definitely a 70s apartment <laughs> fake, fake flowers and white fake and flowers. yellow yep and i also love this apartment building um it reminds me before i moved here i thought that every la apartment was like the richard marks don't mean nothing video setup. <laughs> So I kind of love that this apartment was like that. This building in the middle of nowhere was like somebody could be shooting. You come out here with big dreams and you end up shooting porn. <laughs> okay. I love that you referenced that Richard Mark song because that's literally all I thought California was when, yeah. I, when I was a kid. <laughs> you live here. You're like, that's what it is. We should it's find like, that apartment building. You're going to sign a bad contract and that's a wrap. That's your L.A. life. Um, the, <laughs> but so, yes, this interior, this interior is wild. And like Pinky, Pinky being at this point sort of just sort of obsessed with Millie and, and is like so eager to like be around her and be in her space. She's like orgasmic when she enters this apartment. She's just like, I mean, she actually says to her, you're the most perfect person I ever met. Right. I mean, Millie has to ask her, do you want to see the bedroom? <laughs> She's like, I'm cool on this couch forever. She's like, I just want to sit here and look at you all day. That's my, yeah. that's my, all my wants in life is that. And, and then the other thing too, which is so wild, which is that is that they're roommates, but then they sleep in the same bedroom in twin this beds. Is all I want to talk about. Okay, good. <laughs> this is all I want to talk about. Because when she said, "Do you want to be roommates?" I did not think it was literal roommates. Yeah, I thought we'll share an apartment, not we'll share a bedroom. And then the whole setup was like, we have a roll away bed. For when we have company, meaning like if either one of us wants to bone, the right? other one's going to be out on this roll away couch. 
And I'm like, what is actually? And then they're sleeping in twin beds with like the nightstand in between them. Like you would see a setup in like a regular little kid's room. And I think that lent to the vibe here, right? It was like yeah. this, like Sissy's, like, like Pinky sees her as this, like kind of ethereal character. Yeah. But then when you go into her life, you're like, she is very childlike. Oh, uh, yeah. Like every, every meal is a melt. Yes. Like she'll do like a burger <laughs> melt. <laughs> I love that. Melt. That's like one of my favorite every, parts. Every yeah. meal's a melt. Her decorations. Yeah. And then the one bedroom thing. Like the- you're going to get single white female that were sleeping in a bedroom with somebody. Yeah. It's like, first of all, like as a grown up, if I had agreed to rent an apartment and then I saw that we were going to have to sleep like uh, the couple from the Thin Man movies, like next to each other, I would be like, uh, <laughs> I got to move out. You're right. It's that thing where like, it's complete, like Millie is completely like childlike. She's like, almost like a teenage girl. I mean, they sleep with stuffed animals. She writes in a diary that she puts a lock on. I'm like, girl, what in the hell? And it's crazy because you're just sort of like, you know, it is wild. It is wild. It is. Yeah. That is the thing that threw me the most was that whole situation. Yeah. And I was like, well, of course it's going to pop off. Look at how you're living. Well, if right. it was like a like a best friend or somebody that you like you've been close with your whole life, it would still be weird to kind of be like, "I want a bone. Can you sleep on the couch?" Yeah, but it would be make more sense to me. Yeah, than instead of bringing like a total stranger into your house, a coworker like, essentially, which yeah. is all dicey at best. Let's let's <laughs> be honest. Um, and like the thing about it, so like okay, it you're like first of all, Millie, you need to live alone because you are way too goddamn fussy about. Like, you know, the first day she's like, you're leaving your shoes in the the living room. What are you doing? Why are you wearing my robe? Why are you doing this? I'm like, what did you expect? This is like a 500 square foot apartment and you're trying to live here with two people in the same room. Okay, but that's the thing was that like, you know, Pinky is starting to like grate on her nerves because she's kind of ruining her whole like perfect apartment and perfect life. And so my favorite scene in the movie is the um the part where Millie announces that she's going to give one of her famous dinner parties. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, this I don't know. This is a meal made in heaven, I have to say. Oh my God. I mean, it is listen, incredible. The, the whole sequence of them preparing for it explodes my fucking brain every <laughs> time I see it. And I've seen this movie like 30 times. Okay. First of all, you're right about Millie only knowing how to make like weird kid food. So she's like, we're making pigs in a blanket and pudding cups. And uh, Sissy Spacek is like, cool. You know, My favorite line possibly in the whole movie, but definitely in this whole scene is, can you can you spray some cheese on the sociables? Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't see my face, people, but look at my face. First of all, a sociables is like i am instantly like first of all i only remember them from when my mom would have like neighbors over and serve those shitty ass crackers um (laughs) and she's like so happy to be squirting she's like oh squirt the 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 squeeze cheese on the sociable and then put an olive there Uh, and i'm just like wow easy easy cheese is it was the culinary height when i was a kid obsessed you could just sneak a can of easy cheese to yourself Fuck everyone else. I would be spraying it on my palm and licking it off like a dog. Like I 
that just really floored me how crucial this was to her dinner party planning. Yeah, my after school routine was coming home and taking that easy cheese and putting it on a chicken on a biscuit cracker. Yeah, uh, my mom was all about the old lady crackers, but I was like, I'm putting. I, I would t- make a little tray for myself and put like chicken on biscuit crackers and then squeeze that cheese on top of me. Like I'm gonna watch Thundercats <laughs> or whatever the fuck. Um, oh my god. And and it's just funny because this whole the whole sequence I think really talks. And speaks to the Millie character where you're right. She like, you know, she clipped all these recipes from like some shitty women's magazine. And then she's just so obsessed with everything being perfect, perfect, perfect. And she's like getting pissed off at Pinky for like spilling things. And and then the 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 end of it is that the dinner party gets bail on her. So it just sort of like collapses her whole dream and she takes it out on pinky of course as you probably guessed by this point so and i thought pinky had a great idea where she's like we could just eat it yeah and millie's like no and i'm like that is the best idea of all time just eat all your food together yeah have a good night with your friend (laughs) i feel like me and you our famous dinner parties consist of us sitting around ordering like a hundred dollars in postmates and just calling it a day that's a famous dinner party (laughs) that's a real famous dinner party yeah i miss them terribly so like yeah over the course of the movie i think you like you start understanding like pinky is like melding into her life in all these really disturbing ways and she's like wearing her clothes and stealing her diary and her social security number uh and just sort of like inserting herself there's this she's inserting herself into this weird relationship that millie kind of already established with the landlord of the building and his wife so the wife is named willie and um edgar is the um is the landlord now uh, willie is essentially the woman in the pool i know a lot of people remember like the art from the movie and she's the kind of silent woman who is pregnant and she's painting all these like really crazy paintings in the in the bottoms of the pools and her husband uh runs like a bar and this purple sage apartment complex or whatever and he's like kind of like a cat he's like an old he apparently used to star in westerns according to you know what millie says about him and he's just like a cheese ball old guy and Millie is sort of having an affair with him. And then Pinky eventually kind of starts moving into it, too. And it's just very bizarre. So over time, you're kind of going like, man, is Pinky like this weird grifter? And is she just going to like bump Millie off or something? Because what's her what's her deal? And she's like totally obsessed with her. And it's it's uh, I don't know. Eventually, you start seeing kind of events happen where the women in the movie are kind of switching roles and they're kind of becoming each other and adopting each other's personalities and uh, there's times where like someone's kind of being a mother figure to another character and it's just very bizarre and it's it's spooky there's like a bunch of spooky music in it the paintings keep showing up like they're just kind of you know, cut into these scenes and the paintings are very kind of violent, disturbing, and it's just, it's just weird. And, and let me, let me ask you something though, yeah. if I can, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Not being a scholar is part of the reason why people jizz all over Robert Altman. The fact that he like does those long lingering shots on things. Cause you know how like he'll kind of 
be far away and then as he's pulling in and you're like okay he's just fully getting closer to this can of whipped cream for apparently no reason yeah and like he does that with the paintings and he does that with the women and i'm like this is the jizz moment right where people are like it's fucking a genius man fucking genius (laughs) i'm like i'm just looking at a can of whipped cream for 20 seconds what's going on listen kubrick did it and these are two guys altman and kubrick where you will walk into a graduate film program in any school in the world and people are like going five hours long on these dudes movies like it's just right you know and i don't i don't dislike it it's just like is this all that you need to make this like put this guy in the canon (laughs) (laughs) no i i understand what you're saying completely and as a as a film person i even go okay what's going on here like what does this mean what is the meaning behind this and why do because like the women were so fascinating to me in that the way that their relationships worked and the fact that Willie was mostly silent throughout most of the movie and only speaks at like these two crucial moments. Um, one of them being at the very end. And so you're kind of like, that to me is way more interesting than the lingering shot on the whipped cream. It's like, I love what he's doing with kind of inadvertently discussing the ways that these women are infiltrating each other's lives. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, there's something to be said about, how each of the women kind of performs um, a version of femininity, like where there's like a silent mother, like a strong silent mom character. Then there's like a little girl. (laughs) Then there's like a modern, you know, sex craze, like party chick. The weirdest thing is I think the Edgar character is not even fully fleshed out, which I like to a certain degree, but I also think that, he is a connective tissue to the three of them. The ambiguousness of three women is fun to think about a lot of times for me. And then there, but there are moments too, where I'm like, okay, maybe I'm like thinking about this too hard. Like I definitely didn't smoke enough weed for this movie right now. So if I was like back in grad school, right. And I was writing a paper on like semiotics or something, I would say that the apartment much like in Clute, I feel like, the apartment in three women is this kind of like manifestation of this like personality mm-hmm. that like Pinky and Millie sort of aspire to, which is that they want to be this like put together modern woman who like has it all. And she's like cooking and she's entertaining and she has gentleman collars and, and a rollaway bed for when they get to sleep with guys. And I just think that, over time through this movie, you're seeing like Pinky and Millie constantly like asserting their dominance over each other in this apartment. Right. And this apartment is is 100% the space of abnormality for their friendship, but yeah. it's also a space of, of complete discord for their lives. Yeah. yeah. And like, they're just, you know, towards the end when, you know, the, the, the Millie character and the Pinky character are sort of like, evolving and changing and pinky becomes more like millie she's becoming more assertive she's like drinking beer and you know shooting guns out back of the bar and and she's like essentially like wouldn't it be great if you just moved out and i just lived here and you know <laughs> and you're kind of like oh damn like wouldn't it be great if i kept your social security number <laughs> yeah apartment. it's like you know what actually this place is dope i love all the yellow it really, you know, 
doesn't disturb me in any way. And I want you who created it to leave <laughs> so I can live there. So it's Thanks this, for creating the aesthetic. Yeah. Now yeah. Goodbye. So it's it's so crazy. But I love I love this movie so much. I feel like, yeah, it's so textured and interesting and and actually is very spooky and creepy and kind of is a horror movie. Completely. When it comes down to it, and maybe should be seen as a horror movie, and and maybe that's why I like it so much. But you know that apartment is unforgettable, and unbelievable. I I I just can't get enough. So I love those flower cushions of the pool, the big seventies <laughs> flower pattern. Like there's just such everywhere they go. There's so many touching, really sentimental things that were very seventies to me. Yeah, I I think it's like honestly the opposite of uh Bree's apartment, which is that Bree's apartment is real lived in and cool and hip and like, yeah, we're gonna read astrology and smoke joints and like Millie's apartment is like, don't touch anything. <laughs> Take your shoes off when you come in. Don't fucking look at any of my statuettes or you can't you will have to drink out of a plastic cup. <laughs> Don't touch my precious moments, figurine. <laughs> if if Bree's apartment is like, come on in, make yourself comfortable. Millie's apartment is, how dare you? <laughs> like, that is the full vibe beginning to end. Completely. Oh my god. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, should we give the movies for next week and let people guess the theme? Yes, I will be happy to give you these movies. Um, the films for next week's episode are HUD from 1963 and Nobody's Fool from 1994. So that's your homework. Ooh, get, get on that it. team, y'all. Yeah, and so uh, just a quick shout out for our social media. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod. And if you want to email us, which is the best way to get a hold of us, if you want to like talk about movies or ask about a movie or like suggest you know, a theme, suggest a theme, of course, is I Saw What You Did Pod at gmail.com. And just suggest a theme. We don't need the movie suggestions. We're over, we're already overloaded. We're, <laughs> we're literally like cutting things down to the minute before we record. So yeah. we got a lot, but we but get it. We see great. you. We get it. <laughs> we see you. We see you. Oh, this is great. Thanks, Millie. Thanks, Danielle. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Lauren Elizabeth Brown. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our social media assistant is Taryn Matza. Our theme songs by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at iSawPod. And please listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. 